Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here with the Indy Star. I'm your host, Derek Schultz, on this lovely fall day. Greg Doyle, as always, the star of the show. We've talked about this, Greg. This is my favorite season. And I feel like there's, you know, you've been in Indiana for a minute. You've been in the Midwest for longer than that. Um, I think you were in the Cincinnati area, if I'm not mistaken, before you came here. But I don't ever remember there being like a... a a colorful, really beautiful fall like this, I guess, this early. I feel like Indiana's fall is usually like two and a half weeks long. <laughs> it never lasts long enough, maybe because it is so beautiful that however long we get, it's not long enough. On the other hand, you're right. It's We go from 90 degrees to 30 in about three weeks. <laughs> and yeah. and I, I always look ahead a week. and I mean, the, the low's going to be in the 30s coming up soon, and I wonder if we're already done with uh, fall. Yeah, it's... Uh, you try to enjoy it while it's here, for sure. I was trying to enjoy that three-in-one start for the Colts while I was here, and then we had what we had Sunday, I guess, in Cleveland. Not all bad. There were some good things, uh, and we will talk about the good things. I don't want to make every podcast gloom and doom, but just overall, the number one takeaway for you with the Colts' loss in Cleveland, 32-23. to Oh, I thought it was that Isaiah Rogers is pretty good as a kick returner. Isn't, isn't that the story? <laughs> you know what that rookie class him and blackman and um i know we haven't really gotten a chance to see what Pittman could do yet taylor looks like he's going to develop into a nice player i, I kind of like the early returns we've seen from that rookie class so far but yeah of course you know rogers kickoff return kind of a blip in the overall story and by the way jordan glasgow special teams yeah star and 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 he was a linebacker in michigan and i assume he's pretty good you know when you look that good on special teams um, I assume they're grooming him to be maybe, I don't know, depth, if nothing else, at linebacker. So I'm glad you brought that up because I know that it sounds like almost everybody in the media around here is kind of in the bag for Chris Ballard. Um, but there's a reason for that, and I, I get it that last year's team doesn't. Anyway, I get this pushback on, you guys are too soft on Ballard. The roster is what it is, and we see what we see. But the big takeaway, yes. And, and, and you could argue that Ballard didn't handle this very well this offseason, was the quarterback situation, because five games into the year, and it's like 2019, 2018, I mean, it's Groundhog Day around here. It's like the same damn thing it is every year, which is, if it's not going to be Andrew Luck, and going forward it won't be, who the hell is the Colts quarterback? Yeah, and can they get somebody who's not going to hold them back? Because now we've had uh, really – a year and a half of this where the quarterback seemingly has, you know, the first three games, I thought Phillip Rivers was fine. I, I thought Rivers was basically the guy that you signed up to get at 38 years old. I, I was not, my expectations were not high for him, but, you know, his seemingly his inability to throw outside the numbers and throw downfield, that's what's really surprised me because I, I, I talked myself into Rivers, Greg, because I thought that the Colts were going to be able to have more of a vertical passing attack, and clearly that's not been the case so far. 
Yeah, I, we all thought, you know, he's a he's a gunslinger. And so they're going to live and die with balls thrown way down the field, and he's going to try and zip it in here and zip it in there. And well, he doesn't zip it anywhere, for one thing. Um, and he doesn't try it downfield very often. Um, you know, you had a great tweet the other day. I, you, I, during the game, after the game, you said that the Colts, do you really want to replace a quarterback um, who kind of can't throw it down the field in Rivers? with a guy in Brissett who's afraid to throw it down the field because it's kind of the same thing. I mean, if, if, if either way the ball's not getting down the field, then does it even matter? And that's kind of where they are. Um, it's, it, it's funny how for several years the team was holding back Andrew Luck, and, and, it, and it was. I mean, he was better than what he had around him, and so the Colts never did what they should have done. And now for the last couple of years, the quarterback is holding back the team. And so I guess that's why there's the, there's this argument about which GM was better, and it's really not much of an argument, but in fact it's no argument. But you know, Grigson got the quarterback thing right. Granted, it was pretty easy to get it right, but he got it right, didn't get anything else right. Ballard is, you know, and Luck left him in a bad spot. I mean, this is not easy what Luck left Ballard to do, and Ballard has not yet gotten the quarterback position right. Um, but he's got the other 52 players. They're all right. So it's just uh, – it's the whole thing's really interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because you had – and I'm going to use the coach as well too because I, I think – I don't think it's fair to talk about Ryan Grigson's failings without mentioning that. And, and I know, Greg, that you and I were on the same page on this. Uh, I know we liked Chuck Pagano. Chuck Pagano was not a good NFL head coach. Um, right. And I'm, I'm just going to be nice about it because Pagano seemingly is a nice guy. There's no reason to, you know, trash him or anything like that. Uh, but the Colts had a, a brain trust, if you will, in Grigson and Pagano that we knew was very much flawed. Yet they were winning. Uh, at least early on, they went 11 and 5, 11 and 5, 11 and 5. And even after that, they were a 500 team for two more years before the bottom fell out in Pagano's final year after they let Grigson go. And now you feel like you've got a head coach in Frank Reich and a general manager in Chris Bauer who know what they're doing. Yet the results in year four have yet to really be there. And I think that's kind of the, the frustrating thing. Um, you know, I'm not in the bag for anybody. It's a results business. And I'm just like everybody else. I'm losing patience with this whole thing. But, you know, in today's NFL, if you don't get the quarterback situation right, especially with the way NFL offenses are off this start that they're off to in 2020, you're screwed. Uh, the Colts could have the best defense in the league. If they're going to score 16, 19, 20 points offensively, they're not going to beat anybody. They'll be one and done in the playoffs. That is the absolute truth. It's all about the quarterback, and which is why, you know, Grigson Pagano looked better than they than they are for several years because of what Luck was doing, and it's why Ballard and Reich right now are are not looking as good as as I believe they are because they just don't have the quarterback situation right. So it's just uh, here we are, here we are again, and 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 I wrote this the night of the game, and everybody's wondering right now. I mean, we're all wondering the same thing: is do you replace Rivers with Brissett? And which, but you got to get the next question is, do you really think it's any better? Um, we saw Brissett last year. We know what he is, and he's kind of the same thing. And you came and say, well, he's more mobile than Rivers. No, he's not. He, he's on the certain. You look at him, you think he might be. He's ten years younger, and but he's not. He's no more mobile. So that's not. He's not going to help you there. You're not going to throw the ball down the field very much. The bottom line, really, in a lot of ways, too, is that there's there's no receivers to throw to. Hilton is clearly not what he was you know I don't know if he's hit the wall forever or if he's I don't know he's not what he was Campbell's gone Pittman second round draft pick not here Ashton Doolin looks a little bit dangerous but who knows Marcus Johnson's a little bit dangerous but who knows I mean look who he's throwing to 
and I'm not excusing Rivers. I'm just saying that this offense is because of injuries and because of the whole quarterback deal. It's just incredibly flawed, and it doesn't help that the offensive line is not playing as well as as it did a year ago. Yeah, and and that's another thing that I want to touch on. As much as we're focusing on the quarterback, and it, it starts there. Um, the biggest surprise to me, Greg, honestly, it, it hasn't even been that Rivers has struggled. I, I think there was a, a real chance that Phillip Rivers was completely and totally washed up. And I'm not ready to say that yet, but still, the first five games hasn't given me a lot of confidence. But what, what has really surprised me is that this rush offense and really this entire offense stinks. They, they can't do anything. They, they, can't, they can't run. They're, they're not efficient running the ball. They're ineffective running the ball. They can't throw down the field. Like, what can this offense do through five games? They've done a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, I'm stunned uh, uh, by – I mean, the biggest surprise I've got, I've had, I got is the lack of run game. Um, really – and I, even with Max injury, even with it, you know, I thought that the Colts had two running backs, Mac, who, who we know what he is, and Taylor, who I thought I knew what he is, and I still think I know what he is. They had two guys that if, if it was either one of them just – don't split the carries. Give that guy the ball. That guy's going to run for 1,200 yards, whoever that guy is. And Mac, I'm sure, would have been that guy. Taylor's not being that guy. I'm surprised he's not being that guy. I'm surprised he doesn't have as much room to run. I'm surprised his longest run of the year is, I think, 16 yards. I mean, give that guy a crack, and he's going to go 80. They're not giving him cracks. It's, um, the offensive line has not been what we're used to seeing around, around here. Quentin Nelson, I mean, he's had great moments. He's had great moments, as he always will have. These great little short three-second GIF moments where he's just obliterating somebody. But he's not been nearly as good as he was the first couple of years, and I don't know what that is. Yeah, and maybe we did. Maybe we oversold Taylor being ready this early and undersold just how good Mac was because I do think that that plays a role. I think the Paris Campbell thing <laughs> plays a role. I think there was an expectation that Campbell was going to be a big part of this offense, and he hasn't been. Um, so those things have, have been disappointing. But, you know, the, the thing about with Brissett and, and going back to last year is that, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, opposing defenses know that Rivers can't throw, so they're just going to go after the run. Well, they knew that Brissett couldn't do anything last year, and yet the Colts still ran the ball very effectively. Like, remember that Jacksonville game last year where they, they – what did they run for? Like 250, the Chiefs game, they completely ran over them. And it, it just seems like Rivers was brought here – and this is not me caping for Rivers, but th this is the truth. Rivers was brought here to manage an elite rush offense. Like, that's really what I thought the, the, the Colts run the damn ball, right? That's what they wanted to do. And now that they're unable to do that, I think the, the warts on Rivers are more apparent because he, he has nothing to hide that from anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I can't figure out whose fault it is. Um, is Rivers struggling? Is he not what we thought he'd be? Well, is he not as what, what I thought he'd be? Because the run game is not taking enough attention? Or is the run game not what we all thought it would be because, because Rivers isn't scaring defenses enough to, to spread it out? I don't, I don't – it's probably a little bit of both. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think what we're seeing uh, and what we're learning, and you know, I think we all knew this anyway, but just the point to get driven home is how special Marlon Mack really is. And the, what's special about him is he's a much bigger version of, and he's not nearly as, I mean, no, there's been nobody like this guy, so he's not the same, but he's a bigger version of Barry Sanders in that in a phone booth, he can make you miss. You know, he, he gets the ball and there's no, there's no hole there, and he – goes left and right and left and right and left and right and then pauses for a second and then bursts for nine yards. You know, Taylor doesn't have that. 
and Taylor needs a crack. If he gets a crack, he's gone, but they're not giving him cracks. So it's it feels weird to just hate everything about this offense on a team that's three and two and really should be five and zero. Oh, but but we kind of we, we we all do. And one more thing to hate: no tight end catches on Sun, none. And yeah. well, I Trey Burton had a catch. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry. Doyle and Mo Ali Cox combined for one catch. That's what I think. Happened. Three targets. Yeah. Three targets, three one targets. catch. Yeah. I mean, and Jack Doyle is. I mean, he he's not Antonio Gates, but he's a Pro Bowl tight end in part because he can catch. But Mo Ali Cox is a guy. I mean, he's a mismatch against anybody. Why is he not? What what? And I'm not. I'm not trying to make him out to be the next Tony Gonzalez or anything. But what what what? How'd that happen? Yeah, and you don't have uh, – and it's not like you have uh, uh, a bunch of stars in the stable at wide receiver. I mean, you're relying on – after Hilton, you're relying on Pascal and Ashton Doolin. So the Colts absolutely have to get their tight ends involved. I, I don't know. And, and that's another thing, Greg, and, and maybe it's a little bit above my pay grade, but the, you know, the play calling and the insistence on running second and long. And I love the touchdown on Sunday because I felt like that was a little bit of a, a vintage Frank Reich – misdirection they think we're doing one thing we're going to do the opposite thing you know that, that people really kind of fell in love with and it was on a fourth and short if I'm not mistaken and they ended up of, of course scoring that, that touchdown on that play I miss that I don't feel like they've been very imaginative and innovative with the play calling but then again when you when you have a quarterback who clearly is pretty limited and, and an offensive line that's not doing as good of a job maybe that hamstrings you a little bit more yeah, they they and they have a their, their athlete their athlete level has gone down with injuries and and with you know Hilton is I, I mean I don't know what he is he's just clearly not what he was and I don't think he he hadn't fallen off a cliff but he's not what he was whatever that is Marlon Mack not being here hurts Paris Campbell not being here really hurts Pittman not being here at that size and that speed that I mean he's kind of a a poor man's Michael Evans and maybe he'll be a rich man's Michael Evans someday but he's you know he I mean they're and injuries happen everywhere, so I don't mean to make excuses at all. I don't, but but you talk about the imagination. You know that really the most explosive guy to have an offense right now, in a, in a physical skill standpoint, is Naheem Hines, and Hines has never been a guy from scrimmage that's been explosive. You know, I think we, a lot of people, because I see a lot of things about on Twitter about why what why not more Hines or this or that or whatever. But what he's done is he's returned two punts for touchdowns, and he does look dangerous back there for sure. He's never been a running back that's going to go 90, ever. I mean, he averages, this year he's averaging three yards of carry and five yards of catch, and that's what he does. So they just, their offense right now, and again, injuries are a big part of it. They're just limited right now. It's hard to watch. And it would have been nice for the defense to have kicked more butt the other day, but to let Baker Mayfield go nuts like like he did in the first half, and then in the second yeah. half they, they let the Browns run all over him. So that was not good either. That's which in defense of the defense. Isaiah Rodgers. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't a good first half for the defense, but in defense of the defense, and you watched the same game that I did, Greg, the Browns were doing stuff in the first half that you were like, what is this? They, they were making like circus highlight reel, just absolutely stupid catches, and Mayfield was dancing. Mayfield looked like prime Brett Favre. You, you know what I mean? There was a lot of stuff that they were doing in that first half where I just kind of thought to myself, okay, this isn't really sustainable. And of course, in the second half, it didn't end up being. Um, I still think that the defense played well enough in the second half to, to set the table for the offense to go ahead and grab that game. Like, I, I think it was still there for the taking, and the offense really ended up letting them down. But uh, is all of this fixable? Because you were, you were more of the high man. I was more of the low man on the Colts going into the season. Like, but, I, but I still firmly felt that this was going to be a playoff team. 
But here we are, three and two, almost a third of the way through the season. Um, are you backing off at all your prediction for the Colts uh, from back in August? Uh, yeah, and I say that knowing that the Colts are probably going to be five and two. You know, in, in about three weeks, they have an off week in between, but they play the Bengals this week. I mean, the Bengals could have a good game, but by and large, you take the Colts against the Bengals, especially at home. And and then they're playing the Lions, and you take the, the Colts over Matt Patricia every day of the week because Matt Patricia stinks. So, I mean, they're five and two. This team is five and two. And yet, even at five and two, I'm looking at the schedule going forward, and I see a Jacksonville game. I see two of the Titans, maybe they split one of those. Two of the, two of the Texans, maybe they split one of those. You know, I can see this team being 8-8 eight and eight and not being in the playoffs because I don't see them beating the Ravens, the Packers, yeah. the Raiders, the Steelers. I don't see them winning any of those games. I see this team being 8-8. Eight eight. So, yeah, I'm backing way off. And, I don't, I, you know, honestly, I don't know if that Detroit is a given. I think Cincinnati is a win. Uh, you know, if, if they lose to Cincinnati this weekend, then – the alarm bells are really going to – I'm not ready to panic yet, but the alarm bells are really going to start winning if they can't beat the Spangles team. But I don't think the Lions are a given, but you're right. I mean, after that, it is – it's really a murderer's row of teams. Um, you, you know, the, the they've got the Jaguars at home in Week 17, and then they've got a home-and-home home with the Texans, who I, I still think are better than what their record shows. But literally everybody else there, Greg, is is perceived as a contender or firmly a playoff team that they've yeah, got and, left. And we all thought the Colts were that uh, after the – well, I don't know, we all – I did – after the Bears game, and I realized Rivers mm-hmm. hadn't been looking great, but still, I just I didn't think we were watching Vinatieri yet, and I I don't think we're there yet with Rivers. I, I think it's too soon to say that. I think it's not too soon to wonder for sure. We can wonder is this Vinatieri all over again? And I think we're a game or two away from knowing if that's what this is. Um, I don't think we're there yet, but it just uh, three and one beating the Bears at, at Chicago and all of a sudden this team's a playoff team and yet and then this game happens you're like wait a minute their quarterback can't throw the ball from here to there he can't do it and they can't run Marlon Mack's not coming back and oh my gosh the injuries and blah 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 blah. And yeah it's uh I mean the, the football season is this way though I mean it, especially early especially early you know by, by week nine or ten you kind of know what you have and you don't overreact too much but man the first five six weeks of a season yeah. Every game is Armageddon. Every at least well, You're to right. people to people like me it is. And then I get people on Twitter or an email saying, "Hey, why don't you settle down? It's a long season. Why don't you take the we're going to find out what happens as the season rolls along approach?" Okay, well that's fun to read. That's real fun to read on Monday. Hey, they won the game, but let's not get too excited because we're going to take. Hey, they lost the game, but let's not. No, no, I, I'm going to get excited and, and upset every single game because every single game is huge early. I really love early NFL season, even if it does leave people like me exposed to. Oh, uh, you know, freezing cold takes or old hot takes exposed <laughs> or whatever. You know, I they they wear me out on that website because I'm always writing stuff that's crazy. But you know, you get emotional early in the year. No, you live game to game because it makes for a great column and for a good podcast. Uh, and it's, and saying, it's fun. Yeah, we'll see what happens. You know that that doesn't do anything for anybody. But you do wonder. You know, last thing on the Vinatieri thing. Every coach seemingly has a tragic flaw. Jim Caldwell's tragic flaw was that he was just way too conservative in huge spots. The tragic flaw for Pagano is that he wouldn't use rationale to make decisions. He would try to believe things into existence. Remember that Lions game in week one where he's like, well, I trusted my play. And everyone in the room is like, "Every, you know, the, the Lions offense was dunking on you all afternoon. You trusted it. What are you even talking about? And of course, they marched down the field in 30 seconds and won the game. You, you do wonder if Frank Reich's tragic flaw is his loyalty to certain players um, because that's what happened with his kicker. And the thing about Reich is that he knows he's got that. He, 
I don't mm-hmm. think he would agree it's his tragic flaw, but I, I bet if you got, and I, cause I've talked to him, you know, off the record and, and I'm not going to reveal anything shocking here, but he knows that he's loyal and, and he knows that, that if, 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 you know, listen, here's the thing. Nobody's perfect at anything that what I've always told my sons is my kids and, and myself too, is, is you'd like to think you're going to do everything perfect, but you're probably going to, it's like playing golf. You're going to make a mistake. Which side of the green do you want to aim for? If you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake on that side, not the other side. Reich knows that if he's going to make a mistake, the mistake will be from too much loyalty, not a lack of. So he he knows that about himself. But in real time, in the moment, it's hard to, to, to not do it again. But also think about Philip Rivers. This isn't Vinatieri, a kicker he inherited and respected the hell out of, but inherited. This is a guy that he coached in San Diego. So he had some history with Philip earlier. But also, and I think this matters, because every little thing matters when we make a personal decision. You know, Reich is a devout Christian, was a minister. Philip Rivers is devout Catholic. And, and you know, they. I think Reich sees a lot of himself in Rivers and vice versa. And, you know, you look in the mirror and you like what you see more times than not. So I I just, I think we're stuck and I think he's stuck. I think we're, I think this will be Vinatieri 2.0 if this continues, because I don't see Reich pulling the plug. Let's wrap the NFL stuff with uh, just kind of general thoughts about what we saw in week five. Um, particularly, and, and you just hate to see this happen, and it's kind of the business of the league. Sometimes guys bet on themselves, and it ends up blowing up in their face. I remember the Lance Stevenson deal where he left the Pacers and bet on himself, and, of course, it blew up in his face in Charlotte and wherever else. I think he was with the Clippers for a little bit, wherever else he bounced around to before, of course, coming back here and redeeming himself a bit. But this Dak Prescott thing, I just thought it was heartbreaking, Greg, because you turned down all of these long-term deals and – you're saying, okay, I'm betting on myself, and I'm that that money is still going to be there for me. And then you have that horrific injury happen to him on Sunday against the Giants. Yeah, and the season he was off to, uh, I mean, he, he's leading the NFL in passing yards right now, and he didn't even play a lot of that game. I mean, that's how many yards he's thrown for. And yeah, and it, it's the classic example of, you know, why do players hold out, or why do players try to renegotiate their contract when they've already signed one? Why this? Why that? And. Uh, let me back up and say, you know, Dak's getting thirty million this year, so he, I mean, he's never going to go hungry. But, but you wonder if you wonder why are NFL players so cutthroat about wanting as much as they can get? Well, this is why. You you want that huge contract, that extension, that, that guaranteed whatever, because that can happen to you. And one thing I didn't like about all this, and I don't like it for Dak, is that the day he suffered that injury was the same day Alex Smith came back, and so a lot of people made the. Uh, all Dak has to do is look at Alex Smith and know you can come back. Don't tell, don't tell Dak that. Alex, Alex Smith's injury was so awful. It was a spiral fracture. It took 17 surgeries, 17 to fix him, and he'll never be the same. Dak's injury is not bad. It's not good. It is not good. But Paul George has had his best seasons after his broken leg. That's what Dak had, a Paul George injury, not, not an Alex Smith injury. So, And, and here's it, what's really interesting. Dak will be a free agent, the best quarterback free agent next year. Even, I mean, he, I mean, I've, I've looked at the list. It's not even close. There is nobody else. It's yeah. Jameis and Cam Newton, and I mean, there's nobody else. It's it's all the flyers from this past year, right? Rivers uh, that are on one year deals. Yes, yes. There's nobody else, um, but Dak. And so you wonder, do the with the Colts? You know, they they're going to need a quarterback. Do, would they? Do you bring in Dak Prescott? Whoever you are. Or does he have to go play a one-year deal somewhere? 
and 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 show it, and then and then get that big contract he deserves. Either way, you're right. Heartbreaking. You know, one thing that I think is something to watch out for, especially with the teams that are really bad right now, the Falcons, the Jets, the Giants, all have quarterbacks. You know, different scales of quarterbacks. Like Darnold um, is young, Daniel Jones is young, Matt Ryan is not. So they're not comparable in that way, Greg. But if any of those three teams gets the number one pick, because Trevor Lawrence is this generational level prospect do they feel like they automatically have to move on from who they have to take Lawrence number one and and does that player become on the market I I think that's something that you're right about the free agency but I I do think that there's or maybe the Carson Wentz situation in Philadelphia I think there's a chance that some guys get on there the availability wire that you weren't expecting to be available well and Wentz is interesting right maybe you brought him up for this reason but he and Reich have a history not a huge history but but a Super Bowl season history so that that would be very interesting. I'd be scared of Wentz. I mean, he had all the me momentum. That, yeah, he yeah. he he should be better than he is right now. And something tells me that if he's struggling right now, then we've seen the best we're going to see out of him, and, and it's not good enough. No, I'm, I'm totally with you there. Uh, NBA Finals wrapping up the other night, and it felt like a, a foregone conclusion that it was going to be the Lakers, um, especially with the Heat injury situation, losing Bam for the first couple of games, and then Goran Dragic, and, and they were already uh, a huge underdog to begin with. There was an epic game five. I do think there were some fun moments in that finals, but LeBron getting number four, and then uh, Frank Vogel, a guy that we know well here in Indianapolis, getting number one. Let's start with Vogel, because I, I think his situation in Indiana was just one where, uh, very similar to the Rick Carlisle situation, where the, the Pacers just felt like they needed a fresh start and to make a move, and it had nothing to do with Vogel as a coach or Carlisle as a coach, and now both of those guys have gone on to different teams and won championships. Yeah, and I think that what that shows you is that the NBA, um, maybe more than any, I don't know about more, but certainly as much as anybody, probably more because the roster is so small and one player can influence a game in a season so much. More than anything, the NBA is all about the players. And I'm not trying to take away from Bogle. We think he's very good, and I do think he's very good. But it is telling that he wasn't considered good enough here to be, be kept around. Of course, I didn't like it. You know, when when Bird fired him, I didn't like it, but I wrote it. But but he goes to Orlando, doesn't have anybody there, and doesn't last. He goes to the Lakers. You get LeBron, Anthony Davis. What do you know? You win a championship. I mean, are you a Hall of Fame coach? No. Uh, to me, the biggest victor, the biggest winner of the 2020 NBA Finals. I mean, granted, the ring is huge. I, okay, fine. But wh- whose reputation grew the most in these NBA Finals? Eric Spolster. Yeah, just just the bubble in general, right? Right, uh, right. The bubble. How good the Heat were. Yeah, they they were kind of an afterthought. They were they ended up being the five seed, and yet they made a run all the way to the finals. No, I yeah. I agree with you. Uh, he's more than validated himself, I think, oh. as a head coach. But see, oh. I, I thought you were going to go a different direction. I thought you know some people pointed at Dwight Howard, like you know, Dwight Howard didn't need a ring. Dwight Howard was a Hall of Famer. You could say whatever you want about Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard's peak was insane. Like you know the the Hall of Fame threshold is not that. Maurice Cheeks is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, no offense to Maurice Cheeks, but you don't have to be some like uber, un- you don't have to be Kobe to make the Hall of Fame. Um, but Rajon Rondo is another guy that some people brought up as kind of a redemption for him to now win another championship and, and be somewhat of a key figure uh, in that whole thing with, with LeBron and AD. You know, uh, maybe I'm too, too cynical for all this, but I just can't get on board with, with giving weight, too much credit to a guy like Rondo or Howard you're to the eighth best player in your team. You play yeah. LeBron. I mean, LeBron goes to the finals every year. Yeah. Whoever he plays for, they go. So I don't want to hear that 
from anybody that Rondo did this or Howard. No, no. That's why I said to me, the biggest, you know, it's a shame that, that LeBron has as few MVP MVPs as he has three or four, whatever it is. I mean, he's kind of like Jordan back in the day when Jordan should have had 12 MVPs and LeBron should have 12 MVPs, but cause he is the best. He's the best. When it comes down to winning a basketball game, he's the best there is. Um, so I don't care about Rondo and Dwight. Dwight Howard drives me nuts. I, I, I don't wish badly on somebody, but I, I, I'm not sure he's a Hall of Famer. Simply, he probably is, but human beings have to vote him in. And people don't, you know, he's Randy Moss, only not as good. I, I'm not sure human beings are going to vote him in uh, because because he, he's been so bad the last five years that he's really hurt. Like he's given people room to not vote him in. And uh, we will see. But I, so I think Spolstra is the biggest winner. And then I think the biggest winner after Spolstra are, as far as, again, whose stock went up the most? Spolstra, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Harrow. To me, those are the three biggest winners of, the, of these playoffs. Oh, I, I think. Don't you? You also have to put Jimmy Butler there, don't you? Oh, I'm sorry. I, yeah. Right. My bad. My bad. Butler. Yes. 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 He yes. was incredible. I mean, <laughs> Jimmy Butler went from being like a. Yeah, I think he's one of the 15 best guys in the league to, you know, way, way higher than that. And um, and I think really, you know, we talk about validation, the, the whole deal with him in Minnesota and, and the teammates. And rem- remember, the headlines were, oh, he threw everybody under the bus. And now you go back and look and you're like, look, this dude just wants to win. So clearly he whatever he said was the right thing to say, because that's what he wants. He's just a no nonsense guy. But um, I'm not going to do the LeBron Jordan thing. I think that's just lazy. Um, I'm not even really interested. I don't think you are either, Greg, in, in trying to argue about something that is impossible to find an answer to. But just now with three different rings, three different teams, four championships, four finals MVPs, he's 35 years old and he, he averaged, what, like 30, 14 and nine or something in the NBA finals. Um, are, he'll always have his haters. But are we finally going to get to the point where more people are coming around to appreciate the greatness of, of this guy? You know, I, I think with LeBron, um, there's nothing more he can do to bring anybody around. I, I'd be very surprised. First of all, I'm very surprised if there's anybody needs to be brought around. If, if you're still out there, um, you're not thinking. It's kind, of, it's kind of, you know, LeBron's, LeBron's career and what's happening right now and everything that happens from this point forward is to me very much like um, the presidential election coming up and, and do we have debates and do, do you care who's in the debate? and how? Like if you don't know who you're voting for right now, then you've not been paying attention. Um, either way, I mean, the, there's no way you're going to be – you're not on the fence. No one's on the fence. Um, same with – in a different way, but same with LeBron. You can't be on the fence. That You can't be – if you're, if you're like needing to be brought around to LeBron, then something's wrong with you. And I can guess how you're voting, furthermore, furthermore, because something's that wrong with you. I bet I know who you're voting for, too. I mean, LeBron, um, <laughs> granted, he didn't, he's not going to go six for six like Jordan. He's never going to have that. And, and you're right. I don't want to get into the whole who's better. But LeBron is – he's going to finish as the NBA's all-time leading scorer. All-time. And he's going to finish with that crazy stretch of NBA finals. I mean, he's going to break 40,000 points. He's going to put that record out there and no one's going to catch him. You know, and, and at least not in my lifetime. It's he's never going to be. You know, it's, you know, you talk about these records like no one ever catches Lou Gehrig. Yeah, well, he he was caught twenty one thirty got caught by Kyle Ripken, but all those people that were alive to watch Gehrig, none of them saw Ripken do it because that's how long it took. Someone might catch LeBron's forty thousand points he's going to score. I'm not going to be around to see it. So, 
anyway, he's if you're on the fence about LeBron, please don't vote on November 3rd because uh, I know where you're going and I don't want you to go there. I just feel sorry for people that isn't that why you watch sports to see greatness? Like you're so hell bent on tearing somebody down and, and like politics aside, I, I do think that there are just LeBron haters who are, I don't know, Jordan sycophants or, or Kobe sycophants or something like that. I just don't understand it. Um, wanting to tear the guy down. He's, he's unbelievable. I don't care if, if he's Jordan, you know, gun to my head, I'd still take Jordan, but who cares? I, I, I can't wait to tell my grandkids about getting to watch LeBron live. Yeah. You know what? Gun to my head. If they were both in their prime and, and I was a GM and I could start my team around one player. I mean, I would be miserable to say no to LeBron, but I'd pick Jordan too. But I'd but be miserable point, about it. The point is, is that it's an argument. Yes. And that's what, that, that's what people that are too thick to understand don't get. Is that, I was not you know? too thick to understand what your point was, by the way. <laughs> no, I knew what you meant. It was a revelation to me that I would take Jordan over LeBron because I've never thought that in my head. But in my head just now I'm thinking, yeah, you're probably right. But anyway, you're right. It is an argument. And the fact that it's even an argument is amazing. How many players yeah. deserve to be argued with Jordan? Very few. Very few. And, and, and how many guys who we crown at 16 years old end up being worthy of that crown? You know what I mean? So, you know, for every LeBron James, there's a Felipe Lopez. Uh, so it doesn't always work out for these guys. Um, I wanted to touch on this before we wrap up for, the, for today. You had a, a very interesting lunch the other day, and it's going to be a column with a guy who is um, a central figure, um, certainly – of really the last great era of Indiana basketball. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, the, maybe the most infamous IU assistant basketball coach of the last, well, ever. And I, and I hate to even use the word infamy because it, it always implies that there's something wrong with this guy. And this guy's Ron Felling. And uh, I mean, just he's been hiding in plain sight. Ron Felling is the, is the guy that Knight fired after overhearing him on the phone in 1999 talk about, about Knight. Knight. <laughs> responded by tackling him and throwing him against the wall and then firing him. And then one year later, when a video surfaced of Neil Reed choking, getting choked by night, everybody thinks Ron Felling leaked that video. Even though he was gone, he had been there when the choke alleged, you know, happened. So, mm -hmm. and I asked him about that. We talked about that. We talked about night. We talked about bitterness and, and lack thereof. And it was a great lunch, a really fun time. And um, people, I think, will be really interested to find out what makes Ron Felling tick and who he is and how he and Knight, what their story is right now. Good, because, you know, we got, I felt like, and this feels like 100 years ago because right after it, COVID happened, but I felt like we got some closure with the Knight situation with his return. And now let's just let's just tie everything up into a pretty bow. Ron Felling, let's get everybody out there and right, let, move let's... on finally, right? Exactly. We need to uh, yeah, go to Mike Miles Brand's tombstone and see what he thinks about all this, right? I mean, he, well, that's kind of yeah. The same, or you know, unfortunately, tragically, Neil Neil Reed, right? Um, oh, right. You know, it's yeah. sad yeah. that a lot of the figures from that era, or Jason Collier, or you know, um, ultimately met a, a way too early demise. It's really yeah. sad. You're right. Uh, you can check out Ron Felling coming up. Also, uh, Greg's latest column on Philip Rivers. And I thought the chewing ice thing, we've talked about that before because my wife is exactly the same way. Like, she can't be in the same room with me if I have gum or anything like that. Um, yeah, I wrote that story. If you're story one of those people that can't do it, you got to read Greg's column on it. Yeah, I wrote about eating loudly. And I, 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 I wrote it because I thought people would, there would be a, a reaction to it. I thought it was a bigger issue than, than a lot of folks would realize. And Anyway, I was very heartened by how many people were happy to read about this and realize, hey, I'm not alone. No, you're not alone. It's a weird. I mean, it's a weird deal. It's not like like the, you talk about depression and you say, hey, you're not alone, and 
and it's kind of uplifting and you realize it's all, it's such a serious topic. And I mean, being bothered by the sound of someone eating Frito, Frito Lays is stupid. I mean, that's a stupid thing, but it's a real thing. And it's an issue worth talking about. Not for long, but it's worth talking about. IndyStar.com slash sports. Uh, also through the IndyStar app, like, subscribe, and follow along with us. iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else that Clark Wade decides to put the Doyle and Derek podcast. The we'll be back with more next week. We'll see you then, Greg. Thanks, buddy. All right, Derek, bye. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.